Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Spiritual Nomad Podcast. It has been quite some time since I've recorded an introduction for an episode, uh, but today I believe it was necessary to record this intro because I need to tell you from the get-go, we did record this episode outside. So you may have to turn it up here in just a moment. I'm going to do my best to see what I can do to make it as uh, easy listening for you as I can. But I will note that we did record this in a pergola or pergola. We actually had this conversation for about five minutes, tried to figure out, is it pergola, is it pergola? At any rate, we'll go with pergola is where we recorded this episode on a beautiful sunny San Diego day. And um, we talked a lot about a lot of things. And so don't let the quality uh, detour you from the content of this amazing conversation with the very talented and wise Ben Grace. Uh, Also too, Ben is an artist, he's a musician, and I highly recommend that you follow him on Instagram. He's doing amazing stuff. He's an amazing artist. You can find him, Ben Grace Music is his handle. So type in Ben Grace, you'll probably find him popping up pretty quickly. Give him a follow, check out what he's doing. It's amazing stuff. Um, Actually, I met Ben through Instagram. I've met a lot of people through Instagram. I've met insane amount of people through Instagram, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. And so I say that because I would love to meet you. Uh, So follow me as well on Instagram, Spiritual Nomad, The Spiritual Nomad, however you'd like to type that in, and I'm sure you'll see my face somewhere in that search. And uh, follow me, send me a DM. I would absolutely love to connect with you. Uh, If you're local too, love to grab some coffee, beer, wine, cocktails, I don't know, anything that is uh, drinkable and tasty, I'm typically down with. So uh, that's what Ben and I did. We connected on Instagram, we met up for some coffee, and uh, the rest is history. Now we're, I would say, uh, Ben's a good friend now. So he's a good friend. We played a show together this last week, and um, it's been amazing getting to know him and his story. So I'm looking forward to you hearing his story right now on Spiritual Nomad Podcast. So maybe turn it up a little bit and let's get jumping right into it. People are going to love to freaking hear. Okay, so (laughs) Ben Grace, everyone. Ben Grace is with us here today uh, on the podcast and we've been chatting a little bit, uh, getting going and... um, I had to hit record to ask you about this. All right, so you started a music career uh-huh. uh, a long time ago. What year? Do you, what year? What year did you start getting into all this? Um, so I started playing classical piano when I was ten years old. Okay. And then by the time I hit like mid-teens, somewhere, someone introduced me to the Beatles and showed me that the the let the letters across the top of the chords kind of thing meant something I didn't know that I just I just knew the dots the black, <laughs> the black and white dots so I was like that G and that D slash F you know hashtag actually means something yeah. um, and I was like oh, that really helped me because I've been writing but didn't know how to put that into a language yeah um, so I, I wrote my first song when I think it was about 13 or 14 um, and very quickly at school you know started to get into bands a little bit and enter the talent competition with one of the songs and won which was crazy nice um, but it wasn't till I think um so 2003 was the first time I think I put out a record, and that was under a church organization. So 2003, I would have been, gosh, I'm not good at math. So, so 24, somewhere around there, <laughs> you know. Let me ask you this then. Yeah. At what age was the YouTube video I found of you leading worship? <laughs> you <laughs> in like, 
Oh, you found some stuff. Oh, wow. So, I, I, uh, so for those of you that are listening, yeah. uh, Ben, if you've not picked up on it now, he's a musician. You've probably picked up on now that uh, he may not be uh, from the United States at this point. Uh, he's from Australia, which uh, we were just talking about is ironically similar in its development, like America. Um, and then <laughs> I'm going to be playing a, a show with Ben. So for listener, uh, I'm going to be... We're going to be practicing in a few hours, actually. Yeah. And we decided to do this podcast. In preparation for that, I was like, huh, I'm going to YouTube <laughs> some shows that Ben's done in the past. And I'm really good at rabbit holing on YouTube, right. which, nice. you know, every... Useful skill. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're not a real card-carrying millennial until you get right. lost on YouTube on, like, a daily basis. So <laughs> I got lost in this major rabbit hole of you like leading worship in maybe 2008 i don't know it was had it, to, was it gospel live was that the name of it that you found possibly like yeah. it totally like you were on like just this really simple keyboard yeah and uh totally like you know it looked like something that probably would have been on like some like public christian tv channel or something <laughs> you know <laughs> totally yeah i think it was probably gospel live and that was so that would have been Around 2009, I think. Okay. Um, so. Yeah, it was probably around then. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't remember exactly what the date was, but it was totally a decade ago Classic. for sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was so good. That, that you was, did a great job. That was just post my Power Pop band. So I had a Power Pop band for a few years before then. No way. Did, did you find that video? No. Oh. So that was the good stuff. That's what I was kind of looking for. <laughs> That's epic. That's me kind of have an emo haircut day, and there's an epic hair flip halfway through that music Dude. video. I had the same same haircut, you yeah. know. I was I've always played in like hardcore and like death metal bands and stuff right. like in my mid-teen years and then kind of got more into like um you know, some of the the I don't know, different versions of pop punk if you right. will, but probably a little bit more of like the I won't bore people with all the details. <laughs> I'm a huge of, Paramore fan. I was listening to Paramore right this morning. There you go. So, good stuff. So, um my question is then from this guy Ben Grace that's leading mm-hmm. worship with this gospel live band. Yeah. And then, how did you? Because it wasn't long after that that you found yourself in the states. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what was some of that process of going. You know, was it with a church denomination or, mm-hmm. or something no, independent? From not that? at all. So I grew up in a church called the Christadelphians, which I now I would say identify them as a cult. Really? Um, yep. There's only 60,000 worldwide. They're very, uh, most incarnations of the Christophians, extremely conservative, extremely oppressive of women. Um, they don't have any uh, paid pastoral or, or kind of paid structure in the church. It's all lay ministry. At the same time, there's a lot of unspoken uh, sort of hierarchy and architecture, and it's extremely patriarchal, of course, you know, with no women allowed to speak or mm. anything like that, any voice. Uh, so that was that was on my background, and that was uh, so there was I grew up singing hymns. That was my kind of first thing was was only hymns to an organ most of the time, not even to a piano. Um, so it was in my kind of late teens that I kind of started to find an interest and realize there's other Christian music in the world, and that that shielded me from a lot of CCM, which I'm kind of thankful for. <laughs> like when people start sitting around and sing these songs, I'm like, these songs are awful. I'm so glad I didn't hear this. Yeah, CCM for anybody that doesn't know is contemporary Christian music, right? Yeah, that's right. So, it's, and it's when you hear it, you know, oh, yeah. it's CCM. Like it's branded. Yep. It's, it's slick. So, yeah. It's pop. It's Jesus, my boyfriend. It's it's yes. super candy. Yes. Um, so I missed a lot of that, which is I was kind of grateful for. 
becoming my late teens, I kind of, I've been deconstructing, I think, since the time I was 11 or 12 years old, I can remember having questions about, like, faith and being like, I don't think this is all, like... How did that work in this kind of, I mean, to use your definition, cult that you were Not in? well. Yeah. <laughs> so did you have, like, a youth leader or, like, anything in this group or what? There was no one, because no one was paid, so it would, it would, it would change often, because it's volunteers, so of course, you know, people would get busy and... Um, but the, the, I think what was interesting to me as I've been working through the last few years and working in therapy about this, my origin story, is there was a, a really influential guy in the, in the youth group who was really charismatic and very, like, musically oriented. Uh, it was the first time I actually heard someone write an original song was this guy, uh, Nathan. And uh, he... Um, everyone loved him. It was just one of those things. But he was also a bit of a, a rebel, a bit of a, you know, kind of a guy who walked kind of the line. But he actually uh, took his own life mm. when I was in kind of my mid-teens, and it rocked the whole of the Sydney kind of group, which was a whole bunch of churches together, but the, the youth group was a whole bunch of them all, all together. It just rocked a whole generation, and they all walked away pretty much. Mm. They all were just like, you guys are hypocrites. And I think it was primarily the, the messaging around that, you know, kind of what, what Nathan did and where he was. and um, So I think for, for many years there, I felt like, I was just without a mentor um, and very quickly slipped into just sort of like leading myself even though I wasn't really allowed to because I wasn't baptized and uh. <laughs> I would sort of lead surreptitiously from you know I would be the editor of the magazine but my name wouldn't be on there someone else's name would be on there and so I had a lot of questions and it wasn't until I was about 20 that I found out there was a whole liberal side of Christadelphia that I had never experienced. So then I jumped ship and, and moved over to a more liberal side and started leading. Even in the own in the same movement, though. Even the same movement, yeah. So there's still you know there's still a lot of hang-ups even in that liberal side. But what I found was a, was a more forward-thinking, progressive kind of vein of that. They were they really wanted modern worship, even though they didn't know how to do it properly. But so they were open to that, and I think I just jumped in with all like feet right in and was just like, cool, this is. I can actually get you know busy here yeah um so uh that was yeah so 2003 like was the first time i released a record underneath the what's called the christophian art trust which is an organization that i inherited and we put out about six records so really all under that kind of vein um and that was before the power pop band so there was <laughs> a power pop band for a couple of years and then in 2009 when that was all over um, a woman at my church had heard me sing a song, Alpha and Omega, which is my first tattoo on my wrist. Um, she heard me sing it. She was like, what are you going to do with that song? And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, do you plan to release it? Are you planning on finding a publisher or a label? I was like, I don't know. Like, maybe. <laughs> and she was like, I'm a publisher. I'm like, what? So she was, she ended up being um, Sufjan Stevens' sub-publisher in Australia, uh, which the, the first time I saw Sufjan Stevens was because of her. That's wild. And, um, and she also published this guy called Jeff Bullock, who used to be at Hillsong. The, the, the first Hillsong music minister or music pastor was Jeff Bullock. Really? And had this... Uh, he Yeah, he, he got disgraced because he had this affair or whatever. It was it's phenomenal because I got to know him later after that whole thing. And he was doing this fascinating thing, which I think you would find fascinating, where he was... He'd written these songs which were huge. People loved them. They've seen them everywhere. He went back and rewrote his entire catalogue because his theology shifted... And he saw, and he was just like, I don't think I'm being helpful to people. And so he rewrote all the lyrics to his songs because he's just like, we shouldn't say this. This is really unhelpful. This, this, you know. Dude, that's awesome, man. Because I mean, I feel like even in like the Hillsong world, like, you know, I don't know where you're at, like with mm. all the Hillsong 
you know, uh, music and mm-hmm. things. But like, I've actually found that there's this underlying um, mystery that mm-hmm. I think a lot of the artists that contribute yep. hold. And so a lot of even people that listen to this podcast are probably. If they were ever in a Christian, you know, uh, space, they've probably completely alienated themselves from Hillsong. Yeah. But I've actually found myself, if I'm going to revisit any sort of contemporary Christian music, most of the time it's Hillsong. Right. And uh, it it's amazing to me that, like, why we don't do that more with songs. Right. Like, because faith evolves and yep. we change and we shift and it's art and it's music. And I think it's with that guy. What's his name again? Uh, Jeff Bullock. Jeff Bullock, yeah. whatever he's doing or did back then. Yeah. I think that would be, because uh, in like more progressive churches or, you know, um, emergent churches or whatever, mm-hmm. you might want to expansive theology churches. Like we're, we're uh, not awesome in the music mm-hmm. realm. Right. What would it be like if more people who have had more of a deconstruction and reconstruction experience go back and completely redo yeah. all of their stuff? But we don't need that because we have Ben Grace writing new music. So I guess <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't be afraid to play with it. I mean, I think yeah. most like hymn traditions just started from like j- like songs in the bars, like Jim and right, right, right. bar songs that all become some hymns. So I, I think we should just be able to kind of just take what's good and kind of write stuff around that. I don't think that yeah, it's sort of a weird thing. I I, I agree with you. I think the progressive church has lagged a lot. Um, when it comes down to culture and music totally you know, got stuck I think somewhere in the Jesus culture movement and has just never moved on you know never has <laughs> or anything and then for some reason we've not been able to find anybody that like right. is willing to help out in that arena and if anybody knows of good uh, more inclusive worship songs uh, send it our way because we could definitely use it but right. uh, okay so not to not to detour so you were exposed to him and his story and yep that same sort of uh, the publisher that you'd met yeah and uh, yeah yeah so it was 2009 so I put up my first Christian EP then under my own name um, and very quick I knew nothing because I'm coming from this pretty sheltered Christophian background I knew nothing of the Christian music industry just had no idea but uh, my EP actually was mixed by one of the lead guys at Hillsong so I got to know a few people through that which was which was cool um but very quickly, I just discovered this world that I was just like, whoa, I don't know if I like this either. Like, it just seemed just as just as silly and just as corrupt as, like, the pop music industry was. And I was just right. like... And then very quickly after that, so 2011 is when I moved here to the States. So a lot of that, I think, was an effort uh, in some ways for my ex, who was like, we need to get out of Sydney. We need to get away from family. We need to get away from Christadelphia. We need to get us out of this whole... So you were married at the time. Yeah. And... Did you meet your wife through this same Christian? Yeah, she grew movement? up on a more liberal side. Okay. Um, so when she met me, she was like, mm, "I think this guy might be guy might be a horn grower," is what they used to call us on the on, on the. Conservative <laughs> what does that mean? This a devil, a horn grower. Oh you know, like, my God. <laughs> That or chicken eaters. For some reason, like one of my cousins went to one of the events and just ate all their chicken. So are they like, horn growers or chicken eaters? Which has. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> yeah. So they were very, at first, the family was, was very wary of me. Um, came around eventually. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so we met, uh, got married in 2002. So she kind of went th- with me through all of these okay. kind of changes. That she kind got of married on. young. Yeah, I was really young. I was 21 or 20. 
yeah, I don't know, I can't do the math either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 22 You're maybe, yeah. Super young, yeah. and then, so really, moving to the States, maybe it was a little bit more, uh, and you've already referenced her as your ex-wife, right? Yep. So, I mean, you were married. Was she pushing harder than you to move to the States, or was it kind of like a mutual effort, or what, like, what mutual, did she have? Like, it was a mutual thing, I think. I think she was wrestling with a bunch of things, and she was working with a therapist, I think, who helped to see that it would be helpful for her to sort of make a move for her, and, and, and she loved to travel, so that yeah. was one thing that needs to get it. We loved to travel, and... Um, she her best friend lived in New York. Oh, okay. So, so there were a few things I think that were just like, yeah, we should just give this a shot. And I think part of it was just like, let's just give it a year. Let's like take a year off. If we don't, if nothing happens of it, we'll just have had a fun time anyway. Um, so it was it was just more I think a change and trying I think even back then trying to kind of like keep us aligned in the relationship and keep that together and yeah you know um that you know there's always there would always been struggle in that relationship and i think that was kind of one of those you know efforts to <laughs> to kind of get get together on things okay so you guys moved to new york with her knowing a friend mm -hmm. and did you have already that like uh knowing that you were going to pursue the music industry here or were you just coming to maybe see what like even like uh, being a worship leader could be here or like what was it always the goal of being like an independent music artist or I think for me uh, so in Australia because it's such a small industry you don't do this I love collaboration that's my love language yeah. and I love to co-write with other people mm. but because Australian music industry is so small you just don't do that you don't write with other people because you're trying to protect your little patch. So if you're mm. in a band and I'm in a band, we don't write together because we're trying to protect our little patch. Yeah. Um, and I think when the t couple of times I'd already visited the States on vacations, I'd found people so willing to just jump in and mm. so keen and so energetic and so uh, friendly and sharing. I'm like, okay, this might be, let's, let's do this thing. And I think it would definitely was to explore music and kind of find, find kind of a more um, sustainable future with it, yeah. I think. Because uh, in Australia, all my friends who are still there and they're brilliant musicians, but they're having to do crappy other side jobs and whatever. And right. there's bands we've either you and me have never heard of who are like living and making touring and making a living right now yeah. in the states, which I think is great. You know, um, so that was definitely kind of the idea. I don't think I had any clue um, what we were really going to do. You know, church-wise, like we walked through the door, and I th I'm pretty sure I was. I was in the stage where I definitely was like, I needed to get out, you know, mm. from the Christadelphian kind of world. At that point, I'd already been listening to Rob Bell for years and listening and reading all of his stuff and reading the footnotes and reading the people he was reading. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. At that point, I was already at like, you know, kind of a little baby, uh, um, what's, what's the term I'm looking for? <clears throat> it's totally gone out of my head. Um, universalist, a little baby universalist at that yeah, point, yeah. I think I was. I'd already read Love Wins and then read a whole bunch of the stuff in the, in the bibliography. Would that be risky even to the liberal side of the, yes. the church culture? Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So even the liberal side still had some sort of idea, maybe like a, a hell or uh, inerrancy of Bible and yeah. a lot of the same stuff that we see in any sort of Christian. Yeah. There wasn't any hell in, in Christadelphia, which I, I appreciated. Oh, that's they, good. They didn't believe in any kind of, <laughs> they just believed in basically sort of, you had your, you had your life and if you didn't choose God, then you were just you were asleep forever. They did okay. believe in, in, in a second coming of Jesus in a judgment seat, so everyone was going to be raised. But, but there was there was a lot of um, disagreements around whether everybody who was responsible, you know, like everyone who'd sort of mm. known something about Jesus was raised. 
or, or whether you were just like left to kind of go or whether so more like an annihilationist view like a seventh day adventist would be in... very close okay very okay. very close to yeah, Seventh Day Adventist. So I've met, you know, I have a lot of friends in that community. There's one actually right over the road here in La Mesa. Oh, um, really? Yeah. And one of my best friends in, in New York is an Adventist. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So. That's what it sounds like a little bit. Because, I mean, even at that, like, the, it, what's funny to me is, even in my own journey, like, going from a view of hell of, like, an internal conscious torment, yep. right, that I thought was, like, people do call it the traditionalist view or yep. whatever, which it's only traditional because like most of the people have accepted it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And whatever. And in uh, this century on this continent. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly. Cause if you really look at more like the Greek Orthodox church, like they don't have as much info no. on that really no. as we do, you know, uh, which, you know, goes towards the whole, uh, indulgences in Catholic church and all yep. that, you know, stuff too, to, you know, get people to pay up or burn, you know, which yeah. we're essentially still kind of doing. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, essentially, you know, annihilationism was like my uh, some people would say it was a slippery slope to yep. universalism. And yeah. I say, well, slippery slopes are a hell of a lot of fun. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I rode down happily yeah. uh, to more of a universal understanding of, of my faith, you know. But uh, so Rob Bell, <laughs> it's so funny. People have always referenced him as kind of yeah. that starting point or the person that has done some sort of I would say good in our life other people would say evil (laughs) (laughs) but you know it's interesting you even bring him up because for so many people like his work which if you go back and read Love Wins I don't know if you have or not it's really great but it's like Compared to what is available to us in 2019, it's pretty, like, PG. Yes, so is. And that's why I think, <laughs> when, everyone, when I first got to the States, it was, like, not long after that had been released. Right, yeah. And I had no idea. So I got to the States, and I started going to, like, some pastor's conference and do some church things. And I was like, I really like Rob Bell. And everyone would be like, <gasps> and I'm like, what did I say? Like, what, what is this? And I, for me, Love Wins was a bunch of questions. Yeah, he's very much his posture, which is very Rob, is like, let's just ask questions. And I'm so amazed at how many spiritual communities are so afraid of questions. Yes. Like, that's the Christophians the same way. Like, even though their founder, the person who founded the religion was obsessed with questions. And I think often when you actually go back to the, the roots of, like, you know, movements, the people who start them are the people who came out of somewhere else yes. and push back now asking questions but often it's the second generation that then like sets it in stone and this is the way it is and that's what happened like totally. there was John Thomas who asked all the questions and came out of the um, uh, the restoration movement which yes. was here in the States uh, but then the guy who came after him Robert Roberts who idealized him and, and who worshipped him Robert Roberts was the guy who really once John Thomas passed away mm. set the rules in stone and then we do everything we always meet at 11am on a Sunday and we always do yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. the, the memorial media as they call it they're kind of their main Sunday service it's always this pretty much the same flow because he put down here's how to run an ecclesia how to run a church you know uh, here's another good example <laughs> Jesus and Paul yeah yeah right <laughs> exactly the same thing Jesus yeah. is like yeah I'm not sure about this institution and Paul's uh, like great yeah I'm not either now so let me make another one uh-huh <laughs> yeah we wouldn't have Christianity if it wasn't for Paul like Jesus didn't Absolutely. set up Christianity so I, I've been saying this and I've not figured out a way to really like put this together yet other than like you know just bullshitting about it on a you know podcast episode (laughs) with my friend ben but jesus was like a progressive jew he was totally i mean 
and yeah. just was like, hey, like I think this is moving past what we've said uh, that's happening, even though people especially will fight me on that, that Jesus says, oh, he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, all this stuff. Yeah, well, still, though, like, yeah. I, I still think, like, Jesus' actions were showing us a, a different way, a more expansive and inclusive way. I think yep. that's clearly obvious. And, uh, you know, I think that Jesus is a progressive Jew, man. Yeah, and then absolutely. Paul's like, whoa, 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 well, maybe we should just not even associate, you know. Right. Let's let's stop the whole circumcision deal. Mm -hmm. Let's, you know, whatever. So anyway, not to get on a tangent on that, but you're exactly and right. Paul it's was usually progressive second. Jew as well of some sorts, but yeah, totally dis dismantled absolutely. more of the yes. of the tradition than, than Jesus did. Uh, but Paul himself. was still wrestling his own Pharisee ness. Yes, that's right. And he was still trying to figure out where he was in this whole thing. Yep. And I don't even know, you know, one thing I love Rob Bell says is that, you know, Jesus didn't come to start a new religion. You know, he came to purify the religion that he was a part of, you yep. know. Uh, that second part might be my own rendering, but <laughs> <laughs> it was something like that. Right. And, you know, I think that uh, Paul in the same way uh, didn't know that he was like necessarily starting a new religion. Yep. Like he really did just think he was doing his part for this literally the way right you yeah know? so um anywho um so you were into rob bell in love rob bell yep Very, and so so I, I literally when i got to new york i literally googled churches like rob bell in new york city really yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i found a handful and i started i mean i'd already looked at a couple like there was a couple of really like i was a big sophia stevens fan already and I knew that Sophia went to church somewhere in New York and found out this Resurrection Presbyterian church and went to that. And it was the most hipster thing I've ever been to. I've, I've never walked into a place where me and my ex looked at each other and was like, these people look like us. It was super hipster. Yeah. Uh, and and then, the, then the church service started and I was like, what is this? And I'd never encountered, because I hadn't had that much experience outside Christadelphia. Yeah, I'd yeah. never encountered a liturgical church before. Ah. And these guys did it in the most just boring like just like they were trying to get it right I don't know if you've experienced that in church like yeah, yeah, liturgy yeah. where it's just there's no beauty to the words there's no like depth to it. it's just like trying to get the rules right yes. which is not how liturgy should be right um, and I hated it I just was like this is the worst thing ever hello little bubs we've got a little dog yeah. that's walked up <laughs> idea um, so yeah, visited a whole bunch of things, including his visit Hillsong, New York, which I'm I'm not a Hillsong guy. Uh, I know a lot of so no like, Carl Lentz for you, man. <sighs> not, not into Carl Lentz. Man, at all. we could riff on yeah. that. Huh? <laughs> oh man, have you found preachers with sneakers? Yes. <laughs> oh, have you discussed so, that in the podcast yet? I have not. Oh my god, it's so good. You, this would make a great audio clip for that. Yeah. But I mean, I'm telling you, like that whole culture, I, you know, and the preachers and sneakers culture, and. Yeah. Carl Lentz is a part of it. I went and saw him at a youth event in Oklahoma City of all places uh, whenever I was considering why well, I was already in the process of moving to San Diego. Mm -hmm. And uh, like it was a total fashion show, like uh, Preachers and yeah. Sneakers Live or something. Yep. And like everybody was there. Like my friend that was with me, who actually ended up moving out to San Diego with me for about three months to be my worship guy and then moved back. He was like, dude, are we at a fashion? Like, is this a Christian fashion show yeah, or right. what is this? And they were talking about where they were getting their stuff on stage. He, and Carl was like, <laughs> he's like, this is a H&M red label. Da, da, da. I, I'm like, dude, I don't even, 
Wow. <laughs> it was Just it wow. was bizarre, man. And so, don't get me wrong. I like you know, uh, you know. I guess you could say fashion, you know, whatever. But as I sit here, there's like a $3, you know, Target t-shirt <laughs> yeah, on. Right. You know? exactly right. Same here. It's like, <laughs> whatever, you know, uh, total like clearance rag shopper. But like, I think what it's exposing is this uh, real problem that's mm -hmm. been in the Western church for a yep. long time. And uh, I don't think that there's anything wrong with necessarily like having materials I think the problem with preachers, preachers and sneakers, for me, actually, a unique take that I've had on it is that it promises young ministry people yeah. a life that isn't reality. Yep. Like, amongst so many other things, like that it's, you know, there people are paying shoes that are my rent in San Diego, mm -hmm. which yep. is astronomical. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, as a church planter who failed mm -hmm. as a church planter, it's essentially saying like, ah, oh, well, if you just can be trendy and be cool and be yep. this, like you can afford that and you'll get the, and so it's, it's like a really false hope of a, of a whole culture of preachers, yep. you know? And, uh, yeah. I, I wonder how much longer that prosperity gospel culture is going to stick with America. Like yeah. you already had recently, um, Benny, uh, Benny Hinn. Do you, yes. do you hear about this? Kind I saw of that. renounced prosperity gospel and said he changed his mind and, uh, that's huge. You know, I mean, he's one of the forefathers of that movement. Totally. You know? <clears throat> so I'm just kind of wondering how long that's going to stick around because it's just very clear when you walk around America that that's not working for a lot of people. Right. You know, and, and, and it very much mirrors, I think, the, the political sphere where you have the 1%. Yes. Making money on the backs of the rest of the working class folks, you know. 100%. And With I, the dream of one day you'll be able to do this uh -huh. too if you're just diligent enough. Yeah. You know, and it's just... <laughs> It's a it, bunch of shit, Yeah, man. it's so like, lies. It's awful. And what it does to people, I think, and their self-esteem. And like you say, for people who are honestly and very diligently seeking to give their life to ministry and to other people. And, and yes. To, like, it really gives a very distorted view of what that is. Right. Know? Yeah. It certainly doesn't look to and me And it attracts like, the wrong people. Yeah. You know? It certainly to me doesn't look like a nomadic preacher from the Middle East who, who existed on nothing and had no place to lay his head. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. if, that's, if that's your idol, <laughs> then you're not mirroring your idol. You right. know? You're not following Jesus. You're following something else. Totally. You know? um, it, I mean, it's just a reflection of the American consumer, you know? Yeah. And so you, coming here from Australia, <laughs> probably have a way better vantage point on that than many of us, you know? And, and a lot of people that listen to this podcast are from all over the world. We have mm -hmm. Australian listeners. Yes. Uh, we have some people in the UK and Ireland. Mm -hmm. um, oddly enough, if you're the person that I keep seeing on the thing in India <laughs> listening to this podcast... Let us know who you are. Please send me an email <laughs> or something, because I keep looking at, like, the geography of it on, like, the, the back end of all this stuff, and I'm like, who's this consistent India listener? Like, that's it's awesome. insane. So yeah. if that's you, <laughs> reach out. But, I mean, that... American consumer culture has sprawled yes. to the world. Yes. And I think that it's, people can smell it a little quicker, though, in other places that haven't been like, in consumerism's everywhere, too. But here in the States, it is very, I mean, it's, it is our culture. Yeah. Like, we are like built on entertainment and consumer and big business. And yeah. I mean, that is who we are, you know? So yeah. when you are coming in and you're finding your church and you're, you know, so you went to Hillsong. I think that's how we got on all this. Yeah, maybe, just but. one, just one. Well, it didn't even last beyond two songs. I mean, I, I, I saw 
You only stayed for two songs? I just, I saw the same, like, formula they do, and I was just like, I'm not looking for a formula-driven yeah. thing. And I think it was just, you know... Did you wait in line? I know whenever, around that time, people were waiting in line for hours to go to church there. I don't think we did, but I, th I, I No, I, I, I wouldn't have waited in line. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm not that person. <laughs> not you to go to church. must have one of the better yeah. times. I something. might have just been, like, a really... I, my memory of it is, is coming into... It was... December, so it was cold, you know, okay. and it was probably like awful weather, and you know, man, yeah. So. People out here don't understand yeah. bad weather in <laughs> San Diego, dude. <laughs> no, they cool. don't get it at yeah. all. And I'm it's kinda rained getting... once here <laughs> since I've been here, like <laughs> <Yes>. once. <laughs> I know, <laughs> yeah. Wild. Like, what is this water falling from the sky? Yeah, and everybody drives like it's sleet. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I'm like, you people, man, <laughs> are insane. Oh, <laughs> you people. I said San Diegans don't know how to drive. That's what I said, Siri. Uh, so, um, yeah, so I'm curious. Like, you are seeing this. Uh, you're trying to find a place. Yep. You're in, an, I mean, arguably the biggest city in the United States, mm -hmm. in the, one of the most compact cities, that's for yep. sure. And you're with your wife. You end up finding... Um, some sort of church, right? Because, yeah. you know, because I know you a little bit. I know you got plugged in. Or yeah. How'd you get associated with the thing? And maybe I'll let the cat out of the bag. Or you let the cat out of the bag about what you're doing. I yeah, so, that. well, <laughs> it was through Mutual Aussies. I, I'd found them on the Google search, found Forefront Church, but it was through Mutual Aussie Friends we ended up there. So we had, oh, okay. you know, we were just fun. Of, like, we knew two people in New York City, so we wanted friends. We knew we needed a community. We realized even if we were there for a year, you need community to survive. Yeah, um, and so I went from like this whole community I sort of inherited that I've been born into, right? Whereas all your your family and friend connection was all just handed to you, to like having as an adult to figure out how to make friends, <laughs> yeah. which was weird to be frank. Um, so we're just like we need community. We met these mutual Aussies for dinner. They were cool. Um, they said, "Hey, come to church." We're like, "Yep, great." So we went. And it, at that point, for me, it was a lot of things I was, you know, I loved David Crowder Band. I was into Matt Redman and Chris Tomlin. And yeah. <laughs> I was in that thing. I was listening to Rob Bell and, and the guy could preach and they played a lot of my favorite songs. I was like, this is awesome. And so I went up and introduced myself and we very quickly found ourselves like we, the Aussie couple were basically one of their small groups and they had three, three small groups that would meet together. And what I didn't know was the entire eldership board was on those three small groups. So we landed right in the middle of the thing mm. very quickly and uh, went to this one, I think it was the week after we'd gone to the Sunday church, went to a Wednesday uh, kind of, it was a big celebration. So it was not like a Bible class. It was just like three groups getting together just to get to know each other. Great apartment, Midtown Manhattan. You know, we're all milling around, we're about to leave, putting my coat on this big this six foot five guy. I was like, I haven't met you yet. Sit down, have another beer, you know? <laughs> And he's like, I'm, I'm, he's like, who are you? I'm like, I'm Ben, and I'm Australian, I'm a musician. And he's like, there's a grand piano, play it. And I was like, <laughs> what? And so I played like one song, and he's like, that's, is that one of your songs? I'm like, no, that's a Nick Cave song. And I was like, I didn't know what to play. And I was like, played Love Letter by Nick Cave. And he's like, play one of your songs. And the only thing I knew that came out of my head was just like a church song. And so I played this church song. Unbeknownst to me, the house of which I was in was the best friend of the worship leader. So by 9 a.m. the next morning, I had an email in my inbox so, I hear you have a great voice, you can play piano, you write your own songs, let's set up a time to talk. Um, so within three months, they'd offered me a job, which was starting a brand new church in Brooklyn. That's, so, 
It was, yeah, yeah. It was just nuts. It was just one of those things where I'm just like, this, at the time, it, it just felt like I couldn't have written that story. Like, and it wasn't something I was looking for. And um, it was really just a whirlwind. And that, that just continued because I think for me, it didn't take me very long at all, even in that, because it was a pretty Midwestern evangelical type church. Yeah. But it did take me very long and I'll be like, oh my God, like, there's all the same dysfunction in the evangelical church in America mm. that, that I've kind of seen. And the consumerism thing just killed me in church the way people would church shop and it was just like right. this feels really you'd almost like be speed dating these people coming in who were checking you out and yeah it just was like speed was, dating what a great way to put it <laughs> yeah it was so weird like when you're finding a church and, you, and people tell you to your face we're church shopping and you're just like what's this about you know what, yeah. what's that what's that about so they're essentially saying like don't mess up right <laughs> yeah we're Make just trying to figure out if you if we like how you look and you know so it is like that preachers and sneakers culture. It's just like how yeah. you present, it's, you know, whether the worship's any good. So for me, I was this real boon to this church who arrived because I've been doing this for years, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I knew how to get people involved and you how to build community. And so we shot from it. Like, so we started in September of 2012 and I'd been, I'd moved here in December of 2011. So I wasn't even here, you know, 10 months. And we started this brand new church. Uh, three weeks after the, uh, the church started hurricane sandy hit mm. which flattened the city you know for a couple of weeks um which was good because i think for this budding young church we're like okay we're about actually like doing things for the city you know like actually about kind of doing good and yeah and a lot of money poured into new york from all over the country and so the good side of america there where you see like generosity you know yeah um but that also really kind of propelled me into a, a part of new york i was just like it propelled me deep into brooklyn into a part that was mm. extremely poor was extremely uh, working class, extremely diverse. And I was like, this is not downtown Manhattan. Like Manhattan bounced back fine, but there's people still in Brooklyn today piecing their lives back to again for that storm. Wow. Like, you know, so it was, it was pretty, I've never been there. So yeah, you know, that's so crazy. So it was, uh, to me, that was a real eye opener. Cause I'm like, okay, so this is what we're, we're about. We're about community and we're about kind of doing good. And, um, and then, yeah, a couple of weeks after that, I think it was a couple of months after we, um, started church that my boss's father came out as transgender and he was the chairman of the board of the church planning organization that started us whoa so he lost his job overnight was pushed out of the organization we then had to do this whole thing because of course we're going to like support you know him going yeah. through this transition because he's family you know and so we got a lot of funding cut because we stood by by him and said no everyone is everyone should be kind of welcome and in, in, within a couple of years of that kind of happening was when we transitioned our church from just an evangelical church to becoming the first open and affirming evangelical church in New York. Mm. Um, so it was a wild ride, you know, and all along the way, I think for me, realizing like theologically I was not aligned with the evangelicals and everyone I was reading was like a kind of a... a uh, alcoholic franciscan or (laughs) (laughs) which are the best right the best you know it's all richard Rohr and brennan manning and um so yeah it was all that kind of stuff you know so that was kind of who i was reading and that was that you know that was the same thing i think that the same path that rob put me on i just kept on walking down that and reading Mm. you know people left right and center like i loved um um oh i had the name that just went straight in my brain oh robert farrah capon hmm I found him through Rob, a Rob Bell podcast about um, letting your yes be yes and your no be no. And it's like about the power of words and how mm. they call power. And he told this great story. He's like, you know, like this, this story. He's like, 
God is not your mother-in-law coming to figure out whether her wedding china is chipped. He's your funny old uncle with a salami under one arm and a bottle of wine on the other and it'd be a shame to miss out on all the fun and I'm just like oh my god whoever wrote that like that beautiful thing just to rewire the art of being able to rewire all your thoughts through a beautiful sentence was my obsession as a songwriter of course because lyrics yeah, yeah everything <laughs> so that was the people I kept on reading was these people who have been writing around this for years and they're often scandalous and they're often seen as heretics and often you know pushed out of their own traditions but yeah. um you know, even just the other day, I was listening to the, the, an interview around the new David Bentley Hart book. Have you heard about this? Yes. And, it's making um, some noise for sure. Yeah, it's. I haven't read it yet, but I just been following all the discussions. And Jonathan Martin has a podcast where he interviews Chris Green and one other guy. I can't remember his name. Is it sort of a reaction to the book? And I'm like, wow! I, I didn't realize how many people were out there who really hold to some form of universalist idea. Yes. But that it's much more widely accepted than I think a lot of people would leave you to believe. Yes. And and I think it's it's under wraps right now and I think we're finally starting to see the sheet fall down with uh-huh. it. Um cuz it's the same thing. That book in particular, uh I forget the title of it. It's completely spacing my name right mm-hmm. now. But um at any rate, it it has to do with, you know, some version of universalism or yeah, or whatever. That's right. And, you know, I come from the Vineyard Church movement, yep. which is a third wave charismatic that birthed out of the Jesus people movement back in the 70s, right? And so, like, it's very, the whole thing with Vineyard people was bridging evangelicals and Pentecostals together. Uh-huh. So they have all evangelical beliefs, like, but with more of, like, the power of the Holy Spirit sort of stuff, you know? Yeah, so I'm a very, lot of people... I, I love the Vineyard Movement. I know for a lot of friends Really? There. Oh, yeah. All right, well, maybe we should riff yeah. on that. <laughs> uh, I have a very unique coming around to some things in my head in the past couple weeks. Maybe I'll flesh out. We'll see. But uh, that book in particular, did you... Were you able to find I'm it? I'm trying to find it. I think it's... Um, it's... Oh, my gosh. Man, if I was really good, well, I would... That all shall be saved, heaven, hell, and universal salvation. Yes. Yeah. That all shall be saved, yes. Heaven, hell, universal salvation. Well, I have a bunch of people on my Facebook from the Vineyard still. Yeah. Because, like, my dad was a Vineyard church planter in the yeah. 80s. That's what I was born into. Like, some people are born, you know, Catholic and they have their rituals. Like, I was born in the Vineyard and my rituals are, like, you know, acoustic guitars and ministry time, right? Like, that's <laughs> that's my traditional experience. Yeah. And uh, so now then, I was there. I was supposed to take over my dad's church. Didn't do that. Ended up coming out here to plant didn't happen but the point is through all of that i've developed quite a hefty vineyard uh, friends list on my facebook yeah and this book in particular has been absolutely shocking for me for mm-hmm. how many people i've seen accept the book that, yeah. and read it and like it and are having talks about it and i'm like wait a second if you people are in the vineyard yeah and you're having these conversations and like you're not getting you know, nobody's called me to get my ordination back yet. Thank God. You know, if anybody's listening for that reason, don't take it from me. I still, I still need it. You know, part of my identity needs it right now. Yeah. Okay, I'm just kidding. Uh, false self, true self, Let ego. Go, no, no, but uh, yeah, I'm just like, it's interesting to me that finally, mm-hmm. a book like that is, in my opinion, the result of Rob's work eight years ago. Right. Like. Right. We would not be able to be having, sorry friends for the, you know, uh, 
noise. They're coming to pick us up. That's what that is. That's exactly <laughs> what that is. That right there is the conservative police. <laughs> <laughs> they finally found me. Those damn heretics are hanging out in La Mesa. It's the other version of ICE. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, we're going to have to go find safe haven at Public, squ- public Square. Speaking of vineyard people, Aaron. Um, yeah. So... Anyways, point is, like, that is the natural, I think, evolution of where we're coming because Rob was only saying what everybody was uh-huh. thinking about. And even prior to him, like, Brian McLaren was really vocal yep, that's right. years before him. And um, we, we can see this going back even in, like, there were groups in the 90s. But as far as, like, mainstream Christianity and yep. Christian acceptance, um, I think that this book, and I've not read it yet, and mm-hmm. I will, um, but I think that it's opening up the question for a lot of people, and more so than opening up the question, it's giving people uh, a covering yep. to say, like, I actually don't believe in eternal yeah. conscious torment. Yeah. And there's a bunch of people speaking up and say, you know, I don't either. And yeah. there's, there's a lot of power in that, you know? Yeah, um, I, I love the discussion between Jonathan Martin and Chris Green. I'm forgetting a Brad... Anyway, I'm forgetting his other name. But that's that's on um, uh, Jonathan Martin's podcast called The Zeitcast. Mm. And uh, what I loved in that was Chris Green, who's brilliant. He's a Pentecostal kind of guy. They're all sort of Pentecostals in that kind of in that discussion. He pretty much said there is no case at all for eternal conscious torment. Mm. He's like because you just can't you can't build hell from a god of love. You mm. just can't do it. Mm. And I was just like, I don't think I'd ever heard anyone just so quietly and calmly say, that's bullshit. Like, it's yeah, just, yeah. it just doesn't work. You can believe in annihilationism. You can believe in, in, in kind of, uh, in, in the idea of suffering, but not that God causes that or is, is willing for that to happen. It's not as, like, you know, saying, you're, you're dead to me. I can't work on you. Like, love yeah. just can't say that. It just doesn't work, you know? Yeah. So true, especially if that is who God is, yep. is love, you know, That's and right. in him is found no evil. Yeah. There could be no plausible uh, scenario where, where that's acceptable. Yep. You know? um, yeah. Luckily, people are coming to that. And I think for me, too, and I'm curious your thought on this, like one thing that's gotten some pushback over the years, because I've been vocal about it for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And even like on this podcast over the past you know, years or whatever. And people will reach out to me and they say, how do you reconcile that? Or like, what's the purpose? Why even do anything? Or like, how are you uh, making sense of, you know, cringe word here for some people, evangelism, you yeah, know? <laughs> right. And it's like, to me, it's, that's given me more uh-huh. fuel for this sort of evangelism or whatever sort of, you know, quirky ministry word you want to put on it, you yeah. know? And I don't know, has that been the same, like, for you? Or how has that been for... Yeah, I, I just don't understand how hell is good news. Yes. Like, right. I'm just like, I just think it's bad news. And I, I think, like, uh, there's all like, the memes that go around, which I think are overly simplistic, but funny. Like, this whole idea of, you know, Jesus knocking on the door. Yeah. I've come to save you. From what? From what I'm going to do to you if you don't open the door? Like, it's it's just so much <laughs> yes. logical fallacy with, with a punitive God. Like, it just, it just doesn't work on any kind of level. And I think what's more so is I, the sadness to me is I think it works for a lot of people because we've swallowed that pill whole mm. and patriarchy has has mimicked that story and we've got that same broken view of love mm. from our families families of origin that somehow yeah. that you being smacked or punished by your, your, your parent is like I'm doing this to because I love you and this hurts me that it more hurts you and, and 
all that stuff is bullshit as far as I'm concerned. Like, yeah. We're reading right now um, Bell Hooks All About Love. I know you've read that. Hmm, I've not read that. It's a great book. And she really, I mean, she's a female eight, Enneagram eight. So she's fiery. Yeah, yeah. But so she has no room for this kind of this idea that these, that some of these things we say to each other are loving. She's just like, it's just not. Like any right. form of punitive punishment thing is just not loving. Yeah. You know? Um, there's a way I think that like if you're in loving relationship with someone that correction and discipline is there but it's always from, from a standpoint of trying to make that person better and that's bad wording I should say but always for their kind of for their spiritual growth and for their kind of you know yeah. not not I think the way a lot of us have been kind of coming up through systems where patriarchy is just does that torment thing you know like yeah. <laughs> we just kind of walk it through does. so much pain and trauma in, in childhood um and get this mixed message about what love is. So on some level, I'm not surprised that people still are sticking in their heels about it because they're only really mimicking what they kind of, what they uh, received. But I, I think for me, one of the things, as I keep, when I come back to Jesus and look at Jesus and go, what is Jesus and what is Jesus about in my life? How he makes sense of this when I look at the cross, I think that that's the divine's way of saying no more. Yeah. You know, like no more suffering and no more violence and no more an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Yes. Like no more bloodshed. Like that's done. I never wanted that in the first place. The Old Testament is explicit about that number of times. Like yes. I never required your bullocks and your oxen. I never required the, the, the blood of ghosts and lambs. All I wanted was, was a contrite and broken heart. All I wanted was, you know, a spirit that was willing to be like to, to, to learn and, and to be kind of expanded. Like that's explicit in the Old Testament. So how, how we've kept on missing the point yes. is, is just phenomenal to me. But I, I think there's been plenty of people who haven't uh, missed the point. And I think that's the, the, the story here is, you know, there, there are thousands of people who've thought this, you know? Yeah. And so if you're in a system right now, you listen to this and you're like, oh, but that seems like hugely contradictory. I'm just like, go digging around. Even in your denomination, I'm, sh- I'm sure you're gonna find people who've held this view. Yes. Um, so it's, I don't think it's, you know, kind of I and I alone and Luke alone. Right. <laughs> and Rob Bell alone. And, yeah. You know, there's just, there's a lot of people who've kind of mined this story for what it is worth. Yeah. And we are going to see, we are seeing, you know, the origins of a completely new reformation, you know, and I, I term reformation is, uh, I'm trying to find another word <laughs> somewhere because I went through my reformed state of Calvinism right. for a while, you know, so I oh. hate using that. <laughs> But there is a sense of a new reformation and I'm like trying to see what we can pull out of the woodwork for creative uh, lingo for that. But we'll we'll see. A reconstruction. Yes. I don't know. There's there's definitely deconstruction and reconstruction happening in a lot of places, I think. And I think we're on the brink of a a real reconstruction right now. And maybe I'm just speaking too soon, but um, we are experiencing this wave of people that are not accepting that and I largely because of the internet you know yep. what I mean because whatever the pastor says they can literally pull out a supercomputer uh-huh. in their pocket and see you know fact check whatever he's saying you know yep. uh, or get a multiple uh, you know personalities of opinions that have written books a part of movements and all uh-huh. sorts of stuff in you know differing ways and people are really at a point now where they have to decide for themselves like and really I would say be in tune with this spirit that is in them. Yeah. I always refer back to 
people really accused me of being really off track and everything a couple mm-hmm. years ago to the point where I didn't podcast for a long time because I was so hurt by the people that thought I was so out there, you know? Yep. And I just didn't want to get hurt anymore, so I stopped recording stuff, you know? <laughs> That's the best way to not get hurt is not uh-huh. create, right? right. And um, But, you know, I, I just feel like um, we... I don't even remember what I was just saying. But uh, I shouldn't even have said that because now I'm really going to not remember what I was just saying. Well, I think you were talking about kind of reconstructing and where, where that's heading and people who are yeah. on that journey. Yeah, people are, I think, sometimes scared to, to venture down that path. Um, anyway, I was saying something about what I said a couple of years ago. We'll have to move on from that. Oh, the spirit. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was right, saying. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I've come to a reconstruction about the spirit that, like, this, what I would always tell people is that, well, Jesus said that the spirit of truth will always lead you into truth, right? Yeah. And if I feel like I'm committed to the spirit of truth, if yeah. I'm in one with, you know, this divine being that yeah. I think is uh, in relationship with and personified in Jesus, like if I feel like I am on that trajectory and path, I'm not scared of whatever avenues that might lead me down yep because i am trusting that the spirit is alive and living and doesn't live in a binding of a book and is leading me to all truth you know and uh so for a lot of our listeners that's what it's been it's like you know it's okay to venture and the point is is like you need to just trust because i'm curious then you um and I know we probably need to head over for our practice in a few minutes here. So, but, um, it's like, yeah, we're getting close, but <laughs> it's all good. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll get it worked yeah. out. My, um, with that, you had to experience a sense of like following into that by like, you're a part of this church plant. You are faced with kind of like, a you have to pick a side essentially on like where you're going to stand on this. And you chose to choose spirit of truth. Like you were, like, hey, I feel like this is what God is doing and yep. saying is okay. And then eventually, um, you know, I'd love to end up where we're at now. Like how you ended up from church plant Brooklyn. Yeah. I know it's like probably a podcast <laughs> in and of itself, but like to being here. I mean, because yeah. it sounds to me like there's been from us just hanging out like a lot of risk and unknown and yep. really having to be true to the spirit leading you and guiding yeah. you if I can sound real Hillsong lyric-y there for a second <laughs> <laughs> well, well the cliff notes is this if we do this in two minutes it'll be hilarious until the last three years or so of my life uh, <laughs> I hate I th- to do that to you as an, as an Enneagram 3 I realized I had projected an image my entire life mm. and a few years ago that image started just falling apart on me I, I, just, I actually used to the most concise way I can say this is on my Twitter account it was a description of all these things, a list. It was, I'm a curator at Midrash NYC, which is the podcast. I was a worship director at Forefront, Brooklyn, which is the church. I was songwriting partner in crime and manager of Lindsay Luff. And I had all these other things. And gradually, one by one, all those things fell away. Like, through, uh. through just things completely outside of my control. Those relationships fell apart. Uh, the church budget got slashed. We couldn't do the podcast. My salary got cut in half. I had to go and try and find other stuff. It just hustled. Myself and my ex went through uh, four miscarriages, one chemical pregnancy in two years. My, I started wow. having panic attacks. Like my life literally had a Job moment. My life fell apart. And any semblance I had of control or of any idea of who I was just imploded. Um, and so 
and, and that kind of really led me to a bunch of really dark places and it essentially led to my relationship falling apart and when I went to my boss to kind of say here's kind of what's happened we're separated uh, he was really suspect about some of the stuff and was like I think you've kind of lied to me about some stuff and they put me on a sabbatical and so the, even the community I had you know built from the ground up and thought was open and for everybody all of a sudden then asked me not to be there wow. and, and that was sort of the final straw for me and just kind of like the New York thing falling apart so uh, yeah where I'm at now I'm here, here in La Mesa California yeah. but I'm um, here in, in a spiritual community that is very much uh, in Sojourn Grace Collective with Colby Martin who wrote Unclobber which is a great book um, and Kate his, his uh, co-pastor and wife and this spiritual community is really full of people like you and me who've been in church circles and who've things have fallen apart or they've been pushed off staff so a lot of people with church trauma um, who just are trying to do their best to continue to tell this story and find mm. it a better way a, a more loving inclusive softer kind of way and it's not perfect you know like they've got their own things going on but that's where I'm at right now and I think there's it's been really interesting like you know like you say yes the next incarnation of Ben Grace is like I don't know what the what the future really holds you know there's a lot of things I'm thinking and reading about now and doing a lot of work in therapy and doing a lot of work in um, in reading a lot a lot more kind of uh, mystical you know non-christian kind of works and kind of really doing a lot of dream work and trying to uncover my unconscious like where these yes. stories start because mm. as it all fell apart i just thought this was i thought my world was done because these stories that were held so dearly yeah uh, didn't work anymore and so i'm having to reconstruct and go back into my story to try and find where some of this shame and trauma and hurt started and kind of heal that and so mm -hmm. And as you do that, the new story will emerge. Yeah. And one of the things that's fun is like the first time in my life, I'm actually kind of writing music for me, you know, that's, yeah. that's non-church music, you know. Yeah. I think it's very much informed by my faith. Anyone who listens to my music can hear straight away, oh, there's, there's some biblical language in these songs. You know? <laughs> oh, I've been listening to it in preparation for practice tonight. And I'm like, uh, it's, it's so good. Your lyrics are awesome. And so I want you to plug where people can, can find it. But just the lyric... Um, a few that I've been listening to, like you were saying, like an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Like mm. that's not, it's not going to work anymore. You know, right. that isn't the verbatim lyric, but right. you know, that's essentially what I'm getting, you know? And, and yeah. I love that, you know, melt down the guns, you know, yeah. you know, swords into plowshares and melt down the guns. And it's like, that is straight out of old Testament language yeah. right there. You know, minus the gun part, they don't actually <laughs> use the word gun in the old, <laughs> The, the Hebrew word for gun is yeah. not... No, just <laughs> yeah, it's very much informed by that. And I think that's, you know, that's the thing I love right now is finding all the bits and pieces of me and yeah. sewing it all together. Cause yeah, it, yeah. Because I think, from, you know, if you're in the process of deconstruction, it is very, like, it's hard. And, and I, if you listen to this right now in the middle of that, I feel your pain. It just hurts. But I think there is hope and I think there's beauty. And, and one of the things that, I can't know who said that, it might be like, the heathen podcast says yeah. like it all belongs yeah. like and all these bits and parts pieces of you which you can't quite make sense of or they feel like they're arguing against each other it all belongs yes inside you inside the you know, the kingdom inside you know this great story that is being told of humanity so yeah I love it where can people uh, find your music and support you so I'm at Ben Grace Music everywhere like Twitter Facebook Instagram love Instagram 
Um, that's how we met, so that's just awesome. Yes. That's also how I met Karen, girl of Cardigan. Um, so, Instagram. And then you can also get me at um, patreon.com slash bengrace. So that's kind of where people can support my music. Right now, you can, sure, you can buy stuff on iTunes, whatever, but that allows me to continue to record stuff. So I have three long songs left that I'm currently finishing up that will make the full-length album. So if you kind of want to So good. That. And that's... I'm, I'm so glad to hear that you're releasing a full length. I mean, all of your music that's available, like I listen on Spotify. I know that's not the best way to support <laughs> the artist, so I apologize. But no, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a great way, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just I got done listening to the uh, uh, I love the Black Keys, mm-hmm. and I listened to them on Joe Rogan's podcast, and he was just like ranting and raving about the music industry and Spotify and all this stuff so maybe that's in the back of my head right now but uh, so yeah I mean your music is done very well it's tasteful even like as I'm preparing to play drums mm-hmm. with it it's it's not you know uh, standard we will rock you beats you know no, it, it's very tasteful it's it's uh, I think people are gonna really enjoy it and the quality is there Thank you're you. you're mindful, you're thoughtful, you're creative, you're a true craftsman, and I think everybody needs to go and uh, support you on Patreon and see that full length come out. Awesome. I love it. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Ben, thanks for being on Spiritual Nomad Podcast, dude. Appreciate it. Thank you, man.